0: Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back to Equipping You Podcast. This is Season 8, Episode 10. And we're coming to you today from the suburbs of Columbus, Ohio. Home of DSW, Designer Shoe Warehouse. Wow. Suddenly my wife is grateful for Columbus. Absolutely. And you're going to need a pair of new shiny military approved shoes for this uh
1: episode. You never cease to amaze me terry with the connections that you can make for our podcast guests.
0: well it is amazing you what really get I to the say? soul oh no oh 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 that was good alan i yeah. wish i could come back with another one but i'm going blank i'm terry church
1: ministries leader for the alliance and i'm alan uh, director of development for the eastern pa alliance
0: district And uh, Joining us, as always, is uh, Isaac Charles, our producer and administrative specialist for the Vice President for Church Ministries of the Alliance, which means he keeps me in line. That's what it means. Today's guest is uh, Chaplain Colonel Kevin Pies, a retired uh, chaplain who is our federal chaplain endorser for the Alliance, works with us full-time in church ministries, travels around visiting our Chaplains caring for them uh, and uh, helping us recruit uh, new uh, chaplains, which uh, reminds me of an old Sunday school song. Uh oh! I'm in the Lord's army. I'm in the Lord's army. I may never. I can't remember the rest of thank it. You, nonetheless, Lord. nonetheless, <laughs> so that you. was a beautiful addition. Yeah, that was It was an addition. All over America, podcast fans are cheering or dogs are barking, one or the other. Maybe a combination of both. So, Kevin has been a great addition to our team. Bob Collins, before him, built a great foundation, and Kevin stands on his shoulders, but taking us further ahead in uh, chaplaincy ministry and
1: very grateful for him. You know, I got to say, I've been actually looking forward to doing this episode. Uh, little known factoid about me uh, when I Felt like i was supposed to go to lancaster bible college my father was not too happy about it well wow. uh he did not want me to go there he said why would you want to go to college to do a job that only works one day a week <laughs> uh, and he believed that wow. um, at the time uh, but in an effort to dissuade me he said well why don't you be a military chaplain so he all but forced me to take the ASFAB test and i did take it because of his uh strong encouragement and I think I seriously considered at the time, but uh, it wasn't the Lord's path for me. But I'm never cease to be amazed uh, at the ministry that these guys get to do. Uh, and so I'm really looking forward to this interview.
0: Me too. Kevin's a great guy, great friend. So grab yourself a cup of old army coffee. Google it; it's really out there. Uh-huh. Sit back, relax. Here we go. <laughs> And we're pleased to welcome to Equipping You podcast, my good friend and colleague, Chaplain Colonel Kevin Pies. Kevin, thanks for being with us today, man.
2: Thank you. It's a pleasure and an honor.
0: We like to allow our listeners to get to know those that we're interviewing. So uh, if you would give us a condensed version of your spiritual journey and uh, tell us about a couple of leaders who have had a significant influence along the way in your life and ministry.
2: Oh, gladly. I grew up in an Air Force. Uh, military family. Uh, We weren't really a a religious family. We traveled all over the world and my dad served in Vietnam, had a good career there. When we were in the Philippines, he got cancer and we moved back to Texas. 1973, uh, he came to know the Lord on his deathbed, asked a Southern Baptist pastor to come over Mm. and lead him to the Lord. Uh, I I know the end is in sight. I'm looking forward to the future, but I want to be ready. And so uh, we were kind of amazed by that, surprised. We didn't know how to take that, my brother, my mother, and I. And so for about four years, we just kind of pondered that. And like I said, emphasis, we were not a real religious family. But then I look back and I think, wow, it started all, everything started coming together. Uh, When we were in the military, we were pretty faithful to go to chapel. Christmas and Easter, that was it, you know, just to get a little <laughs> dose of religion. Yeah. And so when we would go, we'd, we'd meet the chaplains, and I think the chaplains had an influence in my dad's life, so that at the end, he said, wow, there's one more thing I need to reach out for, and uh, invited Christ into his life. And then I realized later on, 1978, I went to a summer camp in South Dakota, Texas to South Dakota, and Dr. Dennis Johnson Denny Johnson was speaking. He was a camp, um, really the Hallmark speaker. He did the Bible readings every day and then uh, was very deep in thought. And it started to get a hold of my mind. And then um, I'd go back to my tent and my camp counselor was Pastor Dennis Grenaway from Montana right now. And uh, he lives in Belgrade area. He was working on me, too, and just kind of opening my mind up to these people. I'd lived a pretty rebellious life, and then all of a sudden, summer camp, it was just very good, clean, enjoyable, fun. And then there was a good message there, and it started to get through. And later on, oh, man, only about four years ago, fast-forwarding the clock really a lot, I just found out that church in South Dakota, here on Mission Church, had been praying for us and our family for about 15 years since wow, 1961. Wow. Wow. I love that. And it was like, wow, Lord, where do you? you came out of left field? And then all of a sudden it was like everything I needed, everything I wanted. And I just really appreciated salvation. Then the hope, too. And it kind of touches my mm-hmm. heart. The hope that one day I'll see my father again, the certain yeah. hope. Yeah. And uh, you know, it's like that mercy me song. Can't wait to tell my my father all the things I've been able to do. He was a helicopter mechanic, and I was a chaplain for a helicopter battalion.
0: Mm-hmm. And I was
2: like, Oh, this is exactly what my dad loved.
0: Yeah. Mm.
2: And so two weeks later, I was driving to Crown by Bi- St. Paul Bible College, not <laughs> Crown, uh, listening to AC, DC, Ozzy Osbourne. The Lord really had to do a sanctifying work. Uh, life. <laughs> but when I got there, boy, my roommates and the professors, and then again, Dennis Granoway, or uh, excuse me, Denny Johnson was there as the dean. And just the Lord worked on my life. And that's where I received the call to go into the ministry.
1: Yeah. Mm. Wonderful. So glad I got you Wonderful. off the wrong highway and put yep. you on the right highway yep. to use those terms musically. I should rush um, to
0: say that I, too, am a Crown alum, master's degree, because if I don't mention that, Alex Cazell will write me an email and say, why don't you ever mention Crown on the, uh, on the podcast? So I just did. And there you wow. go. I think you mentioned it fair Paramount, Terry.
1: I think we're safe with that.
2: I'm pretty indebted to Crown. I met my first wife there. We were married 25 years. She passed away in 2008. And then since then, uh, gave it a four-year break, went and helped the chief of chaplains travel the world with the uh, the chaplain program. And then I met a wonderful Brazilian wife, uh, Elisiani. She's uh, awesome. Kind of like my sergeant major. She travels with me. She's got eyes on one area. And then I look at the other area, and then we come back. And then we compare notes, and that's great partnership in ministry. That's Wonderful, beautiful. Wonderful. Love it. Uh,
1: you know, you could have done a lot of things in ministry then. You've been coming out of the old BB now Crown. Why a military chaplain? Was it because of the connection with your dad, or is there more to it than that?
2: Uh, that's kind of a long story, and each one of the chaplains have their own story. I knew that I was called to ministry and uh, went through, graduated St. Paul Bible College, went on to Trinity Divinity School, And then I graduated there and took a church in England uh, as an assistant pastor. Loved every minute of it, but it was kind of a tough church. It was a traditional church, got kind of burnt out on ministry. And uh, (laughs) the day when my son was born uh, was the day we got our car stolen right there in England. And I was like, wow, okay, Lord, maybe this is a message. After five years of a lot of different conflict, uh, but a lot of great joys and foundational successes, Uh, We went back to the States and basically burnt out, didn't know what to do, and uh, thought maybe co-vocational ministry. So I signed up for the reserves, and they needed a chaplain. I really didn't know what a chaplain. I'm 35 years old by then. And so once I got into it, I just absolutely loved it. They were dislocated folks. They didn't have a church connection. So I was able to go in there and be their pastor for a couple of years. And that's how it started out. So I had a calling, but to get into the chaplaincy, I was basically unemployed and the Lord provided and met our needs. And uh, I, I'm kind of joking in that, but I, <laughs> I see the Lord's hand in leading all throughout that. So when we were in a place of need, the Lord found a, a place for us to go. And uh, the chaplaincy has just been an awesome ministry ever since then.
0: Yeah. So Kevin, you've taken me to a couple of interesting places, some of which I'm not allowed to say uh, in this venue, but uh, you've also served in some interesting places. So tell us about those. Tell, you know, at least the ones where you don't have to kill us, if you tell us.
2: <laughs> well, I'm well glad i was, that. We enjoyed a trip to the Pentagon three weeks ago. Yes. Really enjoyed that with Terry. Was 17 there, miles
0: well, of hallways,
2: you told back. us. Yeah, yeah. That's a lot amazing. of escalators. 30 25 to 30,000 nobody counted and it depends on which part of the day you think but uh the 25,000 work in the pentagon there and they have chaplains there too so i've served in the chaplains uh and, and served as a chaplain in the pentagon some people would say it's like doing hard time but i absolutely <laughs> loved it <laughs> after my first wife passed away the chief of chaplains asked me if i'd come up to be his executive officer. And so I was right there, three echo five, two, four. That was the, uh, the number of the room. And our office was, uh, overlooking Arlington, overlooking the nine 11 Memorial. And so for two years, I basically was his companion, his aide. I kind of say significant other, uh, we would travel together, nice. we'd check into the hotel. Uh-huh. Uh, and, uh, he would go to his room. I go to my room and then we get in the rental car and then he goes speak and, He'd do great ministry, and then we'd be on to the next adventure. And so uh, did that for two years, and then later on went back as the logistics and facilities officer for the chief of chaplains. Don't know if you know, realize it, but chief of chaplains office gets quite a bit of money, $27 million every wow. year, to keep maintain their facilities. They have all the chapels located in all the installations around the world. So he's got to keep them up and keep them going. And uh, then also had an opportunity to go to different places like Fort Riley, Kansas, not too exotic, but had a deployment to Bosnia. Went to Fort Carson, Colorado, here, where I live currently, uh, with a deployment to OIF-1, Operation Rocky Freedom. Then spent some time in Germany, Belgium, and then back to Germany and did a little bit with the Space and Missile Defense Command folks at Peterson Air Force Base. So it's been a a varied career with a lot of variety. And you you
0: missed the the War College at
2: Carlisle Barracks. Come on, Kevin. True, true. That was my last assignment and uh, two years there. A strategic assignment, your pastor of the chapel there. And uh, a lot of retirees, uh, they've served faithfully, and uh, they were very supportive. Uh, Big givers. Uh, They wanted to see ministry happen for some of these lieutenant colonels and colonels. And uh, together, we made it happen. And we had families that we were able to touch there with our ministry program. One thing about the Carlisle experience is that uh, most of the lieutenant colonels and colonels that go there, many of them will become generals one day. Not all of them, but many of them. So they are the future senior, senior leaders of the nation and of our military in the future.
0: Yeah, that's in uh, Allen, in uh, my own home, sort of home area in uh, central Pennsylvania, and just yep. about a mile from my uh, son's house. So, yep, about 25 minutes from my doorstep,
1: past that frequently. So, wow. that's great. Uh, you know, I think their average person has no idea what you do, uh, what chaplains do, I should say, on a daily basis, military chaplains. Uh, so, what, just you know, what's what's that work cycle look like for a military chaplain? Maybe daily or weekly. <sighs> I'm sure it's not a one size fits all, but you know, give us a general idea.
2: Oh, that's so true. I think uh, most ministers, most pastors, put in five or maybe six day weeks. You know, you're always on the clock. Uh, the chaplain life is uh, a little bit of a day job and a weekend job, hmm. and they blend together. Uh, The day job is out in the workforce. The day job is uh, walking the motor pools through the offices, meeting with people. Somebody goes through a crisis. There's some counseling. Uh, Just a whole lot of ministry of presence is what we call it, where you're just present for people and you're available. You've got a job you're doing. You're working. You know, you've got your staff work that you're putting things together and uh, you're part of the team. Eric Grambling said it's almost like going to a small town and being on the mayor's staff. Wow. You've got the engineer taking care of the roads. You've got the guy over here taking care of the health clinic. You've got the mayor pulling it all together. Then you got the pastor on the staff that's able to go and uh, report back to the mayor and say, hey, we've got some people that are hurting on the east side of town, or the west side. And so that's your weekly job, uh, just going out about being a pastor for a community. But then you've got your weekend job, the chapel community. Uh, chaplains preach, chaplains uh, lead worship. Chaplains even maybe done sometime during the week uh, might have a small group Bible study or a lunchtime Bible study. So there's a lot of pastoral care that goes on on the weekday. And then in the weekend, there's a lot of great pastoring and ministry. Sometimes you go to these locations that are very isolated. Uh, you in big towns like Fort Carson or Fort Bragg or New York, you compete with other churches. But when you go to a place like the National Training Center, like uh, one of our chaplains, Eric Grambling, is at right now, yeah, or right. you go over to Germany, you're uh, there's a lot of people that are just afraid to go out into the community. So. You become the pastor uh, of all these different faith groups and mostly evangelical for us as our uh, Alliance chaplains, but uh, you become the pastor for that chapel.
0: Yeah, great stuff. So uh, tell us some stories about the things you love doing as a military chaplain,
2: Kevin. Oh, man, Uh, the result, you know, I really loved it from the beginning, but as I went on, I began to realize that it was not just about one on one counseling or just being in the foxhole or just being in the motor pool. Uh, And I think all of our experiences experience or all our chaplains experience a maturing process. Some will get very good at homiletics, really good. Some will get very good at family life counseling or marriage enrichment programs. Some get very good at and and skilled at CPE, which is clinical pastoral education, and they'll go serve in a hospital. And then there's some others that are uh, just really super skilled at leading other chaplains, maybe as a division chaplain, a core chaplain. So is that helpful as a little background right there? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Now, I think about midway through their career, they morph or mature into a next level of of strategic thinking. And I didn't realize this, but after a while, about midway through, I became really good at asking for money, procuring money, and then helping fund programs that required money. And I know some of our new chaplains are like, hey, I asked the commander for a little bit of money, and he said, well, we don't have any money, chaplain. So I say, you're asking the wrong person. You know, here's a couple of other places you can go find some money. Some of the greatest experiences I had were like, wow, you're going to give me this money to fix up the chapel. You mean you're going to give me this money to take soldiers to Normandy. You're going to give, and we're going to go to the cemetery there and do a memorial service and honor those who have served. You're going to allow me to go to Bastogne you gotta allow me to do all of this. And so uh, I got really, um, really good at asking for money and spending money wisely. And others uh, like senior leaders uh, uh, would recognize that. So I think all of our chaplains in their skill areas, they get to another level and then they begin to impact the system. You know, you think the military, wow, that's a, a pretty robust system there. And it's like a machine, but chaplains come in are like the oil. And they go and they talk to commanders. They talk to those on the, you know, the upper levels, as well as down as the new chap or the new soldiers, new airmen, new sailors that come in. And so all these things are put together. On the one hand, you're reaching up to the leaders, advising them, encouraging them, uh, affirming them. We're on the right track, sir. And then you're going down and you're talking to the sergeant and his wife and the privates and all these different folks. And so I just saw it was a fascinating thing to influence the system. That's one of the experiences. Now I've had other experiences, you know, where you're on those convoys and you're heading into Iraq and uh, an IED goes off and thank God everybody's there. They arrive safe and sound. Um, you know, the Lord really puts his protecting hand upon us. And uh, really grateful for that. Uh, He really does protect those. Um, I think that as they went into battle, the thing that really sustained us were the denomination was reaching out. How can we pray for you? And then together, our chaplains were bonding together in Kuwait, praying for each other, praying for our troops. And then God spared us and he led us in. And uh, we were able to see, um, you know, lives saved just because God was protecting us.
1: stuff there tell me about this uh let's flip the coin a little bit what's some of the hardest things for the job of a military chaplain
2: i think one of the hardest thing is when you lose a service member Mm. when you when you're in iraq uh or you're in bosnia we had one sergeant Uh, he was with us in bosnia and then uh we got news that his sons we're waiting for the bus and one of the Rottweilers got out from one of the local houses and they breeded Rottweilers and man, they were vicious and they came over and the older son pushed the younger son, uh, the brother into the trees, but then the Rottweiler got
0: mm. the
2: older, older brother. And so can you imagine that being a dad in Bosnia and having to tell him that putting him on a plane right away and then that 16 hour journey back home? What are you going to say? What are you going to do? Mm -hmm. And so uh, that was that was one of the most devastating things. And thank God, you know, we had a good network with chaplains. I would call back and say, hey, Sergeant so and so is on his way. He said, I'll meet him at the airport. Uh, They put together things for the family. You know, they bring meals. They just wrap their arms around them. And then while we did uh, a prayer service for them in Bosnia, the chaplains back home did the funeral for the older brother. So those are the hard things. I'd say those are the things that really enforce and reinforce the call. Uh, Right now we have a chaplain uh, applicant who's at Fort Bragg. He plays in the band. I love the guy. Uh, He said that for two years, he played the piano for the funerals for all of the soldiers that were either falling in combat or, you know, suicide's a problem, too. Hmm. And uh, he would play the piano, Amazing Grace. He'd pray the prelude, pray the postlude. And then he just noticed the chaplain would go over and minister to the family. The chaplain would go up on the platform and minister words of comfort. And throughout that experience, I think over a two-year period, The Lord was pulling on his heart, and he just came to the conclusion: you know, I want to be a chaplain, and I want to get alongside these families and help them in a time of need. (laughs) Lord, we open the door, and he's coming right along. And he's going through the LOCc process. He's prepared. One day, he's going to be a great chaplain.
0: Great, Kevin. Give us a snapshot of some of the growth in our federal military chaplaincy in in the alliance.
2: I'd say the chaplain program is growing. Uh, when I took over from Bob, Bob Collins was my predecessor. He did it for 17 years and really built the chaplain program up, up from the ground up. And uh, in the end, we had 55 chaplains. I transferred or transitioned with him. And since that time, over these last two years, we've grown to 70 chaplains.
0: Praise the Lord. That's And
2: awesome. uh, he you. worked. Uh, it, it's been phenomenal. Um, I get calls and texts, and Facebook uh, posts all the time, just saying, hey, what does it take to be a chaplain? And uh, I'd like to find out more about that program. We have 15 chaplain candidates. I think Bob had one or two when he started in 2003. And we have about 55 applicants. Those guys that are calling me, they're not quite yet ready to become uh, a military chaplain candidate, but they're applying They're starting out in their seminary program. They're putting things together with their family and trying to sustain themselves and then prepare for the LOCC. That's a a big requirement, but it's a deep requirement for our chaplains. So I'd say it's growing, but it's also broadening. We have more Civil Air Patrol chaplains now, not a lot, but a few, and we have a few more VA chaplains, not a lot, but a few. We have a couple of ladies that were uh, welcomed into the Veterans Administration last year, and they're doing great. They've got great ministry going on with veterans that are there. I think it's also deepening as well, because as I came in, uh, these 15 chaplain candidates, uh, we had a polity course, and it developed a sort of cohort. So what's amazing now is that two years later, they call each other or they'll email each other or they'll Facebook post each other. And so there's a lot more connectivity. And I think that's a supporting thing for encouragement and building up and uh, uh, just really resources. And How did you do this? And How did you do that? One of the gr- latest things is that the Air Force, the Air Force knows, well, all of the military branches know that the Alliance chaplains are solid. And so they tell me, you know, they consider us to be in the top 5% of all the endorsing agents. And I think that's pretty good. It's not because of me, not because of Bob, but it's because of our process with each of the districts. We prepare them well for ministry, and then we stand behind them. So Air Force recruiter called one of our guys in Florida, and he said, I know you're too old for the chaplaincy. You're 44, but I know also that you applied before. And we'd like to ask you to become an Air Force Reserve Chaplain. And would you consider one weekend a month helping the Space Force? So I think, wow, that's so Space neat. Force. Broadening. Oh, nice. Yeah. Even the Space Force, the Guardians need chaplains. So it's just become phenomenal in ways that it's branched out and took on a new outlook. That's great.
1: Love to hear that. hmm So I think one of the questions that people have, you know, is um, about the freedom that our military chaplains have to share, preach God's word, to invite people to trust in Jesus. What does that look like for a chaplain? How much freedom do they have? Is it limited in some way?
2: Yeah, they have uh, freedom based upon the Constitution. We have the free exercise of religion. And that's just not for chaplains. That's for all of our service members, too. So if you get rid of the chaplains, you're getting rid of the faith potential of the service members, the the things that they hold dear and important to them. Hmm. Now, a chaplain, um, obviously, a chaplain needs to be wise. Uh, I think of Daniel. The king said, hey, I want you guys to eat my food, put on this diet that's uh, really dedicated to Nebuchadnezzar. And so, uh, Daniel, he didn't, you know, put up a stink about it, but in great wisdom and great tact, he just said, hey, could we try an alternative? And God gave him great success, Daniel chapter one. Mm -hmm. And so, as a chaplain goes in this environment, he's got to realize that it's a multi-faith, almost polytheistic, multicultural environment. And so, we are evangelical alliance chaplains, solid, and we go into this environment. We've got our rights protected and then we also have an opportunity to exercise great wisdom. So obviously on the weekend in the chapel, boy, I was, I was free to preach everything uh, from Genesis all the way to Revelation. I was able to go into Sunday school. We were able to teach on different aspects of New Testament books, Old Testament books, uh, theology, put everything together. There's a certain amount of freedom in the Uh, chapel. It's just interesting within this whole government context. But again, uh, during the week, we have opportunities to pray. We have opportunities to perform funerals. And uh, God give us great wisdom to be able to say the things that need to be said. And not so that people react, but people respond. That's what we really want them to do. nice thing about uh, chaplains also is that I'm a part of the Chaplain Alliance. Chaplain Alliance is uh, an organization that was set up quite a few years ago, and it's there to help me and to help other endorsing agents help protect our chaplains. Sometimes they get sideways. Sometimes they get baited. Sometimes they uh, uh, fall into a situation where you could have handled it a little bit differently, but you know what, maybe you weren't going to win either way. And so we have a team of uh, resource legal defense counselors that we can reach out to who can help us uh, and really just come to our aid and our support and stand beside us so we can maintain our rights and our freedoms to be able to yeah. be Alliance chaplains.
0: Love it. So, Kevin, if someone, someone is listening and kind of sensing a call to chaplaincy or at least a, a nudge to explore it, what are key requirements and next steps?
2: If somebody wants to become a chaplain, uh, there's a couple of different ways to do it. Uh, I'm available. People can call me. People can text me. People can email me. One of the best ways to do is uh, reach out to us through our email address, and I'll give that to you now. And our email is chaplains, pretty simple, chaplains at CMAlliance.org. We're also located in the chaplain or the uh, chaplain section of the Alliance page, web page. And so uh, you could Google Alliance Chaplain Ministries and it'll come up and you'll be able to contact me. I don't mind any way in uh, any shape or any form of communication. So that to email again is chaplains at cmalliance.org. So really the chaplain program is a great program. If you're under the age of 40, the National Garden Reserve will waive it up to age 48. That's a good opportunity for pastors and co-vocational pastors Uh, If you're in good health and can successfully pass a background check and you're working on your MDiv or you've got your MDiv accomplished, 72 hours, even with a little bit of two-year ministry experience, and the Alliance requires that as well. Those are the qualifications and requirements to become a chaplain, and uh, there's different variants of that. If you send me an email, I'll work with you and uh, spend some good time with you talking through the process, talking about the ministry opportunities that are available.
0: So our chaplain candidates need churches to open their doors to allow them to do that two years of, of service that's required while they're working on the ordination. Is that right, Kevin? That
2: is a great point. <laughs> I didn't realize I didn't realize that two years ago. Our chaplain candidates can go with the paper writing endorsement. You know they can go to the DMV and get a license. But uh, the thing that's really nice about the alliance is that we're a family. and we have the schools. We have the churches, we have the opportunities, we have the mentors. And so there's all kinds of opportunities for chaplain candidates to either explore openings, residency programs, or other uh, even 100% tuition paid assistance. St. Paul Bible College, Crown College today. Uh, There's a lot of great opportunities. And the Alliance has all of that. It's kind of a Cadillac program compared to a bare bones program.
1: Yeah, I will say I can speak of our testimony, I think, in our district. We had a great young man, Kyle Lambertson, in our district for his first two years out of Bible college and seminary. And uh, he was at Lancaster Alliance Church, Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And I, it was a win-win for him to be there and for them to send him out into his military chaplaincy as well. So, yeah, I, I would highly encourage churches to consider how that could be part of their uh, their staffing and, and being a blessing
2: beyond them after the couple of years are over. You know, thanks for mentioning Kyle. When he went to the Navy Chaplain School, Kyle loves it. He wants to be with the Marines. He just loves being with the Marines. He'll do the physical training. Uh, He loves to speak their language. He loves to really just be right among them. He's incarnational. He uh, graduated from the Navy School about six months ago. And uh, every graduation, every chaplain course, they have an honor grad. And then they have an alternate honor graduate. And Kyle was the alternate honor graduate. And another one of our Alliance chaplains, Paul Garcia from the Metro District, was the honor grad. And so here are two guys that just swept it. And uh, they do very well. They do very well. That's so
0: encouraging. Kevin, really appreciate what you're doing, your leadership. Love having you on our Church Ministries team. And uh, love what God is doing. Through uh, chaplains ministry. We should mention we, we've been talking about federal and military chaplaincy, but we also have uh, uh, over 100 institutional chaplains across the Alliance uh, working in hospitals and hospice and prisons that aren't federal prisons and uh, local jails and so many other ways, uh, touching people in the cracks and crevices of life who have a deep need. And uh, it's a great opportunity to minister to them. And if you're interested in an institutional chaplain, so you can contact uh, your district superintendent and uh, they will point you in the uh, right direction. We have uh, an advisor who can uh, help them uh, uh, work with you on your certification. So great ministry for those that the Lord is calling in that direction. Yes, sir.
2: Uh, police department. Our volunteer chaplains for police departments and fire too. Good, yeah. Thank you, Jerry. As uh, I follow you around and go to all these district conferences, and I get a chance to meet our great institutional chaplains. The national office handles the military and federal, and the district level they handle the uh, institutional chaplains, which is good because they don't they don't move as much, so they're right there and they're part of that team in that region. And uh, some of the chaplains have said that. uh, Oh, I love working in hospice. I don't know how I could do that. Mm-hmm. But then one of our institutional chaplains said, I build my church. I'm a pastor during the week. And then part-time I do hospice. I build my church off a of hospice. Couldn't believe it. And uh, really what begins to happen is he provides great ministry to the dying. But then the family are so grateful. They mm-hmm. love him and fall in love with him. They say, where do you, where do you pastor? Pastor, we want to come and hear you preach. And so then uh, another story is uh, the police and fire department. You know, then you get to know the needs of the community. Really, you're there for the, the police officer, but you know where the hurting, maybe the casualty, maybe the drug areas, maybe the needy areas of your city, you find out what's going on. So it gives you a greater situational awareness, just like you have when you're a military federal chaplain.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We have, uh, I believe, the last count, three pastors in our district who are serving as uh, volunteer chaplains in police or fire department. Uh, I think one of them is even on a, a small like stipend because of uh, the amount of work that he does. So that's really encouraging and does. You're right.
0: You get right into the heart of the community there. Great ministry. We appreciate Phyllis Fitzwater, who is a retired uh, hospital chaplain in Orlando, Florida, who's a, an advisor to our uh, district superintendents as they work with these folks, Kevin. Thanks for taking the time to Absolutely. chat with this us today. A, this is a blessing. Appreciate it, man. And uh, may God continue to bless your ministry.
2: Thank you. You too. Great to be part of the alliance. And we got great chaplains, institutional and military and federal. Amen.
0: Well, really good conversation with sure um, Kevin about eh, maybe a an area of alliance ministry that we don't know all that much about. So it, you know, it's great to learn a little bit more. What'd you hear, Alan? That perked your ears up.
1: Well, I guess I never really uh, thought of this today, before today, but like Kevin is kind of a district superintendent, but of the all the churches that are represented by our chaplains, and uh, I so much appreciate the ministry that he provides. Um, you know, building on the work that Bob Collins did. The first thing I love is is Kevin's passion for the work that he gets to do. Man, I feel like he's the guy that gets up and says, "Yes, today I get to do this." And I know that our, you know, we have a couple of military chaplains that have their ties in Eastern PA, uh, both of them, actually, Kevin mentions on the podcast. So I'm thankful for that, Eric mm-hmm. Grambling and uh, Kyle Lambertson. But man, I know these guys are very appreciative of Kevin and the work that he does and the care that he gives them and the encouragement that he gives them. So I'm, I'm super excited that we have Alliance chaplains uh, in key places uh, for people that nobody else is probably going to reach.
0: Yep. Absolutely. Really good episode. Hope you appreciated it. Equipping you podcast listeners. And uh, next time it'll be uh, a bonus episode. Alan, we have 11 episodes in this season. Uh, I think due to our lack of mathematical ability. Could be. uh, Not sure how we're going to squeeze this all in, but we will indeed. No extra charge. No extra charge. Wow. Imagine that. Uh, next time on episode eleven is uh, Mark and Nami Trinkle, our autobiographical or biographical yeah. uh, sketch of an Alliance worker, pastor, and wife from uh, Maryland. So, yeah, looking, I know Mark; I'm looking forward I, to that. I, I do too. Both Mark and Nami, and really looking forward to that. So, uh, thanks for listening, and join us next time. But meanwhile, keep the faith. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Equipping You podcast. If you liked this episode, please consider subscribing and rating our channel. We hope you will join us for our next episode. For more information on this podcast and other ministries of the Alliance, visit equippingyou.org.